Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this Tuesday morning. It is March 16th, 2021. We are days away from the great feast of Passover, and we are going to be celebrating the feast of Passover here in Northwest Arkansas on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 26th, the 27th. And the 28th, if you would like to put that down on your calendar, we are going to be meeting together on the 26th, which is Friday, the 27th, and the 28th, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And what we're going to do is gather together on that Friday evening, we're going to tell the story, and then we're going to, Saturday and Sunday, dedicate both of those days to the teaching on the Passover, and when we do this, We not only remember the story of the original Passover, but we seek to extract from the story the relevant benefits to every believer today, namely the blood of Jesus Christ and how it affects our lives as believers. And I know as far as I'm concerned, probably where you're concerned, the blood means everything to you. And that's where our journey really begins in this walk of becoming Christians and becoming Christ-like in our lives. It all begins at the cross. It all begins at forgiveness, the shedding of the blood. And so Passover is significant because in the beginning of the year, this is the first feast 
of the Lord. And we are very convinced that the Feast of the Lord were not under the law of Moses originally, that the Feast of the Lord actually began in the mind of God on the fourth day of creation. And we will go through that as we near the Feast even more. But God definitely put the sun, moon, and stars for signs and seasons And the Hebrew word for seasons is the moeds, which means appointed feast days. So we believe that God's calendar, he was prepared to have his feast even before man was on this earth. And obviously, we're going to look at this. But uh, remember, on your calendar, Friday, March 26th, we will be telling the story. March 27th, Saturday, and March 28th, Sunday, we will be extracting from the story the spiritual benefits of the blood of Christ for your life and mine as we continue forward in our journey with the Lord. And there is, as you probably know, an incredible pattern in the Feast of the Lord. And we're going to talk more about it. I'm not intending to do it today, but I did want you to get that out there um, or into your heart, put it down. I don't know what you're going to be doing. I don't know where you're going to be, but here in Northwest Arkansas, we're going to be gathering some of our friends, some very special individuals that have a, uh, an appreciation for the Feast of the Lord that will be discussing these things. So wherever you are, uh, you definitely want to celebrate. I remember celebrating Passover on one particular occasion many years ago in California, I was home alone. Everybody was gone, and it was a Friday. And I remember going to a local store and getting a piece of lamb, a lamb chop. I took it home. I put it on the barbecue. I sat down, just the Lord and I. I shared that lamb with the spiritual understanding of what Passover was all about. I had one of the best Passovers of my life, quite frankly. The presence of God was wonderful. So, But it's even more wonderful when his people gather together, which is one of the purposes of the feast, is to gather God's people together to have this common union and to extract the benefit of Passover. So keep that in mind as we go. We'll be talking about it a lot this week. And I have a big question for all of you today. And I'm hoping that as people continue to get online and are in the chat room, Uh, We could answer it, and it's a very simple question, but it seems to have very profound implications, okay? So uh, I want to ask this question, and I have our friend, our brother Keith Carey, wants to call into the broadcast this morning a little bit, and he wants to share some thoughts about the vaccination. One of the most talked about issues in our world right now are the vaccinations, and so we want to hear what Keith has to say about that in just a little bit. And before we get rolling here, I do want to say good morning to Keith Carey and to Sharon Evans. Good morning, Sharon. Cindy Messman, God bless my sister Cindy. And I want to say good morning to Sean Woodson. Shalom, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and Johnny J.D., amen. So right now, those are the few people on the chat room. I'm sure that's going to light up in a little bit, but I just want to prepare the moment for the question because it was something that was briefly touched on last week, and uh, there was a minor uh, attention given to it. But when asking this question, I want to make sure that we come up with a genuine answer, and if I can't answer it on my own. 
All right. I can, I can attempt to give my understanding about it, but I want to know from you, seeing that we're going to be uh, travailing together. We may be travailing today. I mean, traveling together down this road. So let me say again, good morning to Melissa Fletcher, all the way from South Dakota. It's snowy there still. I'm so sorry. We're going to get 73 degrees here in Northwest Arkansas today. So spring is kind of moving around us. And I'm so sorry for the snow, but maybe you guys love the snow. And I want to say good morning to Laquita, my sister in the Lord. God bless you, Laquita. Welcome to this broadcast. David Ellison is joining us. Uh, Yen Yang sign could be the watermark of the beast. David, you said that on Sunday. It was so good to see you and Nicole in a new wine ministry service. God bless you, David. I also see uh, Sean saying, hey, Brother Vincent, what is your thoughts on Israel being forced to take the vaccine or they can't buy or sell or able to go anywhere in Israel. Yeah, we actually showed that video two weeks ago. and We've been talking about it at the church. I could share that in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I see uh, the River Christian Center. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. I'm listening. That is Pastor Jeff in Virginia. Good morning, dear friend. God bless you. So I have a question for you. This may throw you off. It may not. Uh, I hope that it connects us. So here's the question. I'm going to read it to you. Gospel of John, and I'm going to read to you what Jesus said, and then we'll take it from there. And so here it is. John chapter 18, and I want to read in verse 35. John 18, 35. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. What have you done? This is what Pilate's asking Jesus. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now... Is my kingdom not from hence? So my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not from this world. Okay? So my question to you this morning, what did Jesus mean when he said, my kingdom is not of this world? And let me further, you know, uh, put some detail into my question. Because up front, it absolutely appears, and it may be the the bedrock reality, is that the kingdom that Jesus was referring to as his own kingdom, and I'll give you another example here in Luke chapter 22. I want to read Luke chapter 22 in just a little bit. But Jesus was saying something, and what he was saying on the surface, my servants aren't going to fight to defend me on this earth, to keep me from being turned over to the Jews, because my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not from this world. My servants serve me in my kingdom. All right, so if Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world, should his followers, his servants, be fighting in this world to protect or defend anything 
if you and I just stay with me, I know this, you know, we could have our conscience cleared of some ideas here if we just are willing to listen to the question. I know as citizens of a nation, okay, well, let's, let's take it even closer to home. As citizens of a nation, as citizens of a state, as citizens of a city or a town or a neighborhood or a family, okay, we all have this idea to defend ourselves from the forces that be. As followers of Jesus Christ, are we to be defending anything in this life? I mean, Jesus even said, he who tries to save his life will lose it. Another scripture, let me just throw this out there, Luke chapter 22. When Jesus was referring to his kingdom again, he said to the disciples that you may eat and drink. Well, let me just go back, a little background. Luke 22, and we'll look at verse 29. Luke 22, 29. Jesus said, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father has appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So obviously, you know, to sit at the table of the Lord, to eat and drink at his table, uh, to sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes has millennial uh, ideas to it. I mean, Revelation chapter 20, they, the overcomers, they take seats of uh, judgment and sit on the thrones and they rule and reign for a thousand years. So it certainly appears that Jesus is telling them that I'm appointing to you a kingdom as my father appointed to me. In other words, father gave me a kingdom. I'm giving you a kingdom. And... The idea is that you are going to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So we have to ask, number one, is there a literal, physical kingdom of Jesus Christ? Is his kingdom on this earth? Has it been on this earth in a very systematic way, meaning I know the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, but there's also a system of the kingdom. There are, tr- there are uh, thrones, and there are uh, judges, and there are rulers, and uh, it's judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Have we seen that? And the answer is emphatically no. I mean, there's been, an, there's been an essence of the kingdom in the hearts of every one of us who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but the manifestation of the kingdom where Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning in the midst of that kingdom, like we know he will do in Jerusalem uh, in, the, in the New Jerusalem, in the book of Revelation, uh, he will rule and reign. We will rule and reign with him. We'll be ruling all over the world for a thousand years. We get that. But we haven't seen that righteous rule and reign of Jesus Christ on this earth in a prevailing state for a thousand years. It just has not happened. For 2,000 years, there's been nothing but war and conflict and deception and darkness and bloodshed and murder. And you go on down the list. This is not the rule and reign of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, in my understanding. So, Jesus is talking, and I want to go back to uh, John 18. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? So, my question is to you, if 
it is true that the kingdom that Jesus Christ was referring to is not yet manifested on this earth, and yet we are servants and we are citizens of that spiritual kingdom. That is where our conduct and conversation should be. Okay, I'm just putting it out there. Question. All right. So do we have dual citizenship? In other words, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and I know he was talking 2,000 years ago. He was talking about his servants fighting to protect him from the Jewish people. But now he's in heaven at the right hand of God. We're on earth, and a lot of folks have already gone into eternity that have been resurrected or who to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Only God knows what's going on behind the scenes in heaven right now. We know Moses and Elijah were alive on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they weren't even part of the resurrection economy of things, if you will. So we know that a whole bunch of people resurrected the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The graves were open and people appeared. Well, where did they go? I mean, are they alive? Are they dead, sleeping? What's happening? Uh, we happen to believe that there's a whole system of the kingdom of Jesus in operation in the heavenly realms, and there's an impact that's coming into this earth here and there and around the world, and eventually will be fully manifested. I believe that with all my heart. But do we have dual citizenship as a, uh, a, a man, as a husband, as a father in your home do you have a responsibility to defend your home? I mean, should you have a gun, a knife, bullets? Um, should you have bars on your windows? Should you be in protection mode? Or how are you to, have, to lead your family into the spiritual kingdom to be spiritually minded, to walk in the spirit, to live in the spirit, and to uh, be led by the Spirit. Are you on earth but not of the earth? You're in it but not of it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, where do you fit into that? Is there dual citizenship? Because in, in the kingdom of Jesus, you, if, if you're in his kingdom as his servant, you would fight for him. Okay, but he said his kingdom's not of this world. So do we have one citizenship in the kingdom of heaven and another citizenship in whatever country we may live in the world. For us, you, most of us, it's America. And so we're citizens. But does it begin in my house where I protect and guard and fight to protect my home, my neighborhood, my town, my city, my state, my nation? You know, am I involved in both? Or am I to be spirit, soul, body translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, live within the context of that kingdom and allow that kingdom to influence my life, allow the kingdom to protect me, my family, my wife, allow that kingdom to protect, you know, uh, as we go. How does it work? And I wanted to put the question out to you. My kingdom is not of this world. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? All right, so I just want to put that up there. I thought it was interesting, if nothing else, because, you know, we're, we're wanting to walk in the light of the truth. We're wanting to understand what the truth of God is. And, I mean, we're looking at each other right now. We're physical flesh and blood. We're human beings uh, we have to get up and go to work every day. Now, let me just lay it out like this. I mean, if I have to get up and go get a job and work, 
and then I have to go to the store and buy food, and I have to go to the water company and pay my water bill, and I have to go get my car taken care of. I mean, I am living in this world, in this physical world, and are responsible for certain things. There's no doubt about it. So is belonging to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, because remember what it says in Colossians 1.13, that we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So if we have already been translated, which is what the Bible says, we know it has to have been a spiritual translation, just like we've already been resurrected from the dead, according to Ephesians chapter 2, right? We've been, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but he quickened us. He made us alive. We're now seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's the reality, the spiritual reality. But we're still here. So do we fight for our dual citizenship? We fight for the Lord Jesus in our narrative to the world. We make sure that truth is spoken. We shout it from the rooftops when lies and corruption and darkness are there. Ephesians 5 says, have nothing to do with the unfruitful words, works of darkness, but rather expose them. So every one of us who love the Lord should be exposing the dark narrative, the lie, the deception. We should be bringing the word of God, not our opinions, to bear upon every situation so that we could truly be light and salt, okay? We get that. So we have that responsibility, but when it comes to fisticuffs, when it comes to physical weapons of war, we don't have to fight the king in Jesus' kingdom to protect him. He's the all-ruler right now, right? What we do on earth is we verbally defend the kingdom to which we belong by telling the truth to the world that doesn't want to be part of that kingdom or the deception in the world. I get that. But now, do I shift out of that and become American-minded or African-minded or Indian-minded or whatever country you belong to minded to start working in the physical to fight for my country, fight for my neighborhood, fight for my neighbor, fight for my family, fight for my home. Is this an acceptable reality with God or not? That's my question today. The number to call, 818-369-0326, 818-369-0326. Would love to hear from you. And then, of course, after this simple conversation, we'll move on into the deeper things of really looking into the beasts uh, that we need to be aware of. Uh, my friend Keith is going to be calling in in just a moment to talk to us about the vaccination and the mark of the beast. And, and listen, I keep sharing with our congregation as a student that what we need to do, if we're going to understand the mark of the beast, wouldn't it be a good idea to know who the beast is? Because then maybe we can navigate just a little bit better and a little bit easier. So, let, us, uh, let me take a look. I'm waiting for your call. If you have an answer to my question about my kingdom is not of this world, so physically fighting for Jesus' kingdom doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He's already fought. He's already conquered. He's at the right hand of God waiting for angels and principalities to bow and become a footstool for his feet. Nobody's threatening the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Nobody. No devil in hell. No Satan. No Lucifer. No dragon. No beast. No whore. Mystery Babylon. Nobody is threatening the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Period. Okay? He's the all ruler. 
So for us to fight in physical warfare against him, when in fact the Bible tells us as Christians what? You know what I'm going to say, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now that is spiritual warfare that the ecclesia is engaged in, no doubt. But my question is, should we then fight as a dual citizen for our country? Should the Nigerians rise up and fight against the Muslim invasion? The persecution that's happening to the Nigerian Christians right now is near genocidal proportions. That's what we're being told. But nobody's stepping in to do anything. These poor Nigerians aren't standing up and fighting. They're running, they're hiding, their villages are being burned, they're being raped and tortured and kidnapped and uh, brought into the sex trade. And I mean, this is happening right here, right now, all over the world. Nations are in trouble by hostile governments, and we're just beginning to see the forewinds of what that looks like in our own country. Question is, should we fight? Are we dual citizens? Are we dual citizens? Do we go Like in the 1776 revolution, when the founding fathers and all the Americans came, okay, and here they are, and and now the the British crown wants to come and take them back under servitude. So they're going to fight. They actually take up weapons and fight and defend themselves from the tyrannical church and government of the other side of the pond. So they fight a revolutionary war, and they win and become a nation. And here we are today. Is that what you and I need to be doing right now as Christian men and women? For many of them, during the revolution of 1776, were Christians. So I'm asking you, because you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, a follower, a servant of Jesus Christ, and you know that you're a citizen of his kingdom, and that on this earth you're salt and light, You are to expose the darkness. Anything that's a lie should be exposed by you with the word of truth that you have. Does it go beyond that? As I've asked, I'm waiting for you to call in 818-369-0326. Press one on your dial pad and we'll bring you directly into the broadcast. Uh, Let's see what our friends are saying on chat room right now. And then again, as I said, we'll move forward. Uh, Sean says... Uh, His kingdom, he's referring to, is the new earth that will be made after this one is passed. Okay, so we're talking about a kingdom that is not yet manifested on this earth, which I totally agree with. Uh, Brenda Palmer is saying good morning. Good morning to her. Johnny J.D., Romans 8.18. All right, let's take a peek at Romans 8.18. I just happen to be there right now. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us a future kingdom manifesting on earth and in us. I get it. I totally agree. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make the world your footstool. All right, another one. In the Bible, we can defend ourselves just as they went out into battle. So uh, Johnny is saying that the Bible supports you and I as a dual citizen, one of the kingdom of heaven, one as American citizens or citizen of any country, to defend ourselves. Okay, and so what people are going to ask you to do there is find those biblical references in the New Testament, two or three, to establish a fact, okay? Uh, River of Fire Ministries has given us an amen, an amen, not at this, no, not at this time. River of Fire Ministries, no, not at this time. I would believe that's referring to 
uh, whether or not we should be fighting to defend ourselves. I'm not sure. I see my friend Vinny Pots and Pans. Hey, Vincenzo. Hello, Vincenzo yourself. Trust you're doing really good out there in New York. Haven't heard from you for a long time, Vinny. Hope you're doing great. Uh, not until they come for the guns. Ah, all right. Now, wait a second. So Pastor Dave, Victoria in South Dakota are saying that we're not to fight until they come for the guns, which would mean a defensive posture as a dual citizen in this world. There's an advocation to resist and fight. Is that accurate? David Ellison says, I think the vaccination. OK, I don't want to get into the vaccination right now. Uh, but we will get there, Dave. Hold tight. If you deny me before men, then I will deny you before my father. Okay, that's from Sean. Uh, Saul, the first king, was told to go out and at certain places to battle, and even at times to take no spoil, and no people or even animals survive. Moses said, today pick a side, 3,000 fell. I get that, but a huge majority of people, uh, Johnny, would say you're talking out of the Old Testament, that we're in a new covenant, a new covenant of Jesus Christ, being the, the Lord of glory, he's ascended to the right hand of God. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. We've been born again into that spiritual kingdom. And that's where we live from and out from. And we impact the world by bringing salt and light. But in the New Testament, is there any advocation whatsoever, two or three verses to establish any point, two or three New Covenant verses that actually call the believers of Jesus Christ to take up physical arms to fight. We need to see it. Now, obviously, in 1776, they believed that they had the right to defend themselves against an invading army of the British. Okay, so the founding fathers that fought a revolution here under some auspices thought that it was, fight, it was right to defend oneself. Now, they did. They won. They established a great nation the greatest nation on the face of the earth. So we've got to get behind the scenes and ask that question as well. All right, so, okay, no phone calls yet. You know, I'd love to hear your voice, and I know everybody out there would love to hear your voice as well, as to should the servants of Jesus Christ in his spiritual kingdom fight as a dual citizen, spiritually in the heavens, physically on earth, are we supposed to fight? Now, the big question is, what are we fighting for? Well, I don't know. I don't know when the last time somebody said that, you know, 90 million innocent babies' blood that's being shed is a worthy cause to fight for. Uh, I would think as a citizen of our nation, 40 some odd years ago, all right, we're talking way back in 1972 and 1973, when the Supreme Court of the United States of America legalized abortion, and then we saw the exponential rise of free sex and all that stuff and babies being killed everywhere. But the, those very baby parts are being used in products everywhere to keep everybody young. Now they're drinking the blood of babies. They're drinking the blood of teenagers. Um, and this is all for vitality and youth. And this is for biochemistry to make our bodies youthful and young in the fountain of life. We found it to be in the blood of little babies. And they're, they're, all their tissue and all their body parts are used for facial creams and shampoo and on and on and on. It's everywhere in a lot of products. Is that normal? Is that right? <clears throat> are we okay as a nation with allowing the mass murder of babies and rather than placing them gently in a grave, in a tomb, but to actually cut up their bodies and use their body parts. Is that not a cause to fight? But nobody has fought. 
in 40-some-odd years. For all the people out there that say, yeah, we're going to take up arms and fight the government, why didn't anybody fight against the abortion issue? That's my question. But anyways, um, I wonder in our society as American citizens who have a history of morality and laws that once protected our society from a homosexual agenda, is that a worthy cause to fight for? I mean, at one time in our nation, you went to prison for an act of homosexuality or lesbianism, and this was known as corrupt and debased and defiled, and it was not accepted in our society, and there were laws protecting our society, but... Now these things have invaded our society, become the norm. There are laws promoting them. Shouldn't there have been a fight for that? If we're going to fight, what are we waiting to fight for is my question. Or maybe was it a worthy cause to fight against Hollywood who began to send forth blasphemy through the television screens and every filthy thing that could have been promoted in our society when in earlier days when Gone with the Wind was on, when someone said, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a darn, and you know the word they used, well, maybe was that a time, was that a cause to fight, to stop the invasive Hollywood uh, script writers from bringing their filthy, blasphemous, wicked, sensual, evil, unclean, demonic inspiration into the homes of Americans all over the world? Was that not a time to fight? Nobody fought. Nobody fought. How about pornography? When it was once illegal in the United States of America, and it was illegal to have any kind of pornography because they knew that pornography, if it got into the mind of the masses, it would psychologically affect them, eat their brain scientifically. Pornography eats away at your brain like drugs does. Scientific fact. So Alfred Kinsey comes along, he promotes it with Hugh Hefner, and they get in there, and now we're saturated with the most filthy, unclean, but diabolical pornography. Rated triple X. They sell the stuff down across the border where men not only rape the women, but murder the women and film it because it really turns them on. So that's the black market pornography. Nobody fought against that. So my question is, when are you going to fight if you think you have a right to fight? And I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm just frustrated because I'm trying to find an answer here. When is the right time to fight? I mean, if you're a citizen of this country and these blasphemous, evil, wicked things are going on, why did nobody fight? And now you want to fight because they're going to take away your speech? You're going to take away your guns? Now you're going to fight? So your guns are more important than 90 million babies? Your guns are more important than a homosexual saturation destroying little children through a transgender movement in this country your guns are more important than what the pornography industry is doing to our women and our children your guns are more important than the filth that's poured into the homes every day the blasphemy i don't get it am i missing something i'm just asking a question when is it time to fight if we haven't fought for our country that a generation ago All these things were outlawed. You actually used to be the criminal if you had an abortion or committed the abortion. You were a criminal if there was pornography coming out of your house. You were a criminal for a homosexual act. You were a criminal if you put a script out that would affect the psychology of our nation from the morality that we once had. You were the criminal. You were the bad guys. The criminals and the bad guys are the people that stand up against 
these evils? What has happened? No fight as a dual citizen here. So what is, when is the right time to fight? When is the right time to fight? I don't know. I'm asking you. When is the right time to fight? What are we waiting for to fight? Well, these are just my questions. I'm not preaching a sermon. I'm just asking a question, and I'd love to hear from you. And I've got a couple of calls coming in right now. That's really good news. Maybe we could chat for just a little bit. All right. I'm going to start with our first call that came in, area code 605. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You are on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Here's here's what I wanted to bring out. When Jesus was here on this earth and the disciples asked him how to pray, he is, you know, the Our Father. He says, when we pray, we pray that kingdom would come, whatever is done, God's kingdom would come to earth. Okay, so we, the people, are really the earth. And so as we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was teaching his disciples this as well, the kingdom of God, which is written And, of course, which has all the attributes of what Jesus had when he was here on earth, will come forth in his people. But then you have, like you're bringing out, a nation. This nation that is called America has strayed away from God Almighty. And any nation that does that, they will go under judgment. So when we fight... For our nation, it is far different than fighting for the kingdom of God. That's just my opinion on this. All right. Well, it's a it's a decent opinion. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, a thought came to my mind as you were speaking, and I'd like to share that thought because in Romans chapter 13, we're going to go there in just a little bit because what should be happening in our country with these evils that have come in is our government should have been fighting to stop it all from happening. That's what government was intended to do, to serve the people, the conscience of the people, the morality of the people. So the government was supposed to be not legislating, not promoting, not allowing for these things. Okay, but somewhere along the line, government broke down. So then what happens? Well, now in this country, you have a declaration of independence and something's wrong. But we're going to talk a little bit more about it in just a little bit. Let me take my next call. Coming in from 479238. No, there's like a wind. There's a whole bunch of noise in the background, and your voice very faint. Okay. Well, I, I can't help any of that. I'm doing the best I can. The, the point is, is that uh, uh, the, the, the book, The Naked Communist, right, it will tell you exactly what they did and how they did it. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. They didn't take over the country one day at a time. They did it slowly. Like, like boiling the frog in the pot, and, and through generation after generation after generation, 
they, they dumbed down the masses to the educational system. And then, of course, those people went into the theology and other places like that and went to the cemetery to get their degrees. And then they started teaching the same pacifism, okay? And that's why we're where at today. But, but God's Word says that He is the Lord thy God and He changes not. David knew when to fight and when not to fight. David did not have the Holy Spirit in him, but he did have the Holy Spirit on him. The difference is we have the Holy Spirit within us. Uh, 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 Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there will be everything which has been will be again. Okay? So there will be a time to fight. Uh, when that time comes, because we have the Holy Spirit within us, He will let us know when that time is. Uh, uh, as far as why didn't we do it then, or why didn't we do it when this happened and that happened, that, that, that was because of the slow progression that everybody kept thinking, okay, well, we only took a cookie. Okay, well, then the next time the kid goes to the store, he takes a couple of pounds of gum. Well, then the next time he goes, uh, uh, he pickpockets an old lady, pickpockets an old lady. Well, then the next thing you know, he's robbing a bank. Yeah, I am so sorry. I, I just cannot hear, and I, I just, I am so sorry. If the caller would call back with a clear line, and I'm getting people uh, everywhere on the chat room just can't make him out. So um, save that conversation. Bring a clear call. We'll bring that back out on the air when you can, okay? So make sure you give a call back on that one. Um, all right, so where do we go from here? Romans chapter 13. I'm asking a question. Should we fight? And if we haven't fought all this time with important causes that we've just mentioned, and we're thinking that the, the, the greater fight is to protect our guns, and yet we've allowed the most innocent of life to be murdered by the tune of 90 million, I would think that that's a little bit embarrassing that our guns are more important than 90 million babies. I think it's a little embarrassing. I could be wrong. Let's take our next call. Area code 319201. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Vince. Hey, how are you? Is this Sean? Yes, it is. Hello, Brother Sean. How are you? Hey, I, I was listening to you. And I, I want to answer your question. Um, okay. Remember the disciples asked Jesus, when is the kingdom of heaven going to come? And he said, the kingdom of heaven is already here. Now, there was a sister on there that he was talking to that said that we are the earth. Well, I know in the Bible that it says that the body is the temple. I'm I'm beginning to agree with the sister that what he meant when the kingdom was already here is us. And he is in us, right? So, but his physical kingdom, I believe, will not come until after he after God has released his wrath and set the whole world on fire, and then it says that, uh, behold, I made all things new. So I believe that once the 
this earth has passed away and the new earth and then the new Jerusalem comes down, um, then the the kingdom that kingdom that he was speaking about will be the physical his physical kingdom. Okay, so should the servants of Jesus Christ who belong to his kingdom I, do they have dual citizenship to fight for I, their country? I believe, Pastor Vincent, the answer to that is yes, because Jesus said to deny me in front of men and not to stand up for him, that he would also, on the day of judgment, deny us. So I, the answer to that question is, I believe, yes, we should stand up for Jesus because he calls us, Paul wrote, out of nowhere, that we are to be ambassadors of Christ, that we are to represent Christ now. We, he, he gave, he, when he went to heaven, he said, basically, he was passing the torch to us to be the lights in this dark world because he had to go to the Father. So I believe that we should be standing up for Christ standing up for what is right and call what is right right and what is wrong wrong. Okay. And people call us even though people call us bigots and they call us names, we are just doing what we're told to do. And even even Peter, I think it was it was Peter and Barnabas when they were standing in front of the high priest and whatever, they said, who should we listen to? Should we listen to you or listen to God? So I believe we should be listening to God. Amen. Amen. All right, Sean, we're getting a lot of calls coming in and some great comments. And so uh, you do believe that there is. Do you think that I, I spoke good? Do you think I spoke well? You, you, well, I think you're speaking out of the word, and, and I think to balance that with a few other comments is going to be very healthy. So uh, with that said, let me just get into this. Uh, on the chat room, there were some excellent comments that kind of go along with that, and I like what Jody said. Jody Keen said, Christians fornicate. They look at porn. They use drugs, they curse, they cheat, they have abortions, are gay, etc., just like the world. And I think that's probably the greater truth right there. The reason why, with all these very important causes that have existed in our nation for a generation, there's been no fight. And yet now people are starting to feel a little threatened about their own personal stuff, so they want to get up and maybe start you know, defending their rights. But nobody fought for what the country stood for in our generation. There's been no fight. And those that tried to fight, and then you have to ask the question, well, did the Christians in Rome 2,000 years ago, when they were living in the Roman Empire, did the Christians take up arms and fight against Rome? There was no fight, right? And they were just scattered to the ends of the earth, and the kingdom went on, and people go on, and that's the way it is. So why didn't the, the Christians in Jerusalem... Why didn't the Christians in Rome or the Christians in Macedonia or the Christians in Corinth or the Christians in Thessalonica or in Ephesus or anywhere else, 
Why is there nothing in the New Testament that they rose up and fought? You read the letters of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, how they're sitting in the synagogue of Satan and the seat of Satan, and they're all being persecuted around and about. And, but nobody ever lifted up a weapon to fight. Why is that? Why is there no New Testament biblical writings in the New Covenant, which began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts? Why is there no scripture Zero scripture about fighting physically. Now you say, well, I think it was, uh, who was it, Constantine, who gathered the Christians and put the cross on the thing to fight. There's a controversy over whether or not that was right or not. But let's take our next call coming in. Area code 605-376. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hello. Hello, Pastor David. How you doing? Okay, I'm, I'm listening to your good. conversation. I'm listening to your conversation. The lady that said Christians fornicate and they do all this. I beg to differ. Okay, I beg to differ with her her point of view, and anybody else that would take that point of view, because those would be the people that come to the wedding feast that don't have the garments on. They are not Christian. They are Christian in name only. They have the name of Jesus. They want to be entitled to this and that, but they won't stand up for righteousness. They're compromised. They're not Christian. Because when you become a Christian, you lay down your life. You are nailed to that cross. You go through that cross, and you walk with God. Now, the weapons, America ain't going to fight back until they come for their guns because they're selfish people. And, and that's just a simple fact. You know, Should we have fought? Should we have been more involved and engaged? Yes. But, but where have been the preachers? Where have been the preachers preaching righteousness? Where have been the preachers preaching holiness? Where have been the preachers preaching about the gifts and the weapons of our warfare? Where the gifts of the Spirit being one of them? You know, the, the, the hand of the Lord being upon you, and you shall be blind for a season, not seeing the sun. How about we start using that against Antifa? How about we start turning their bodies over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh? Not just saying words but saying words and declaring the word of God under the anointing and the power of God. See, that's where, that's where the words become power. And, and so warfare, we're, we're in it. We're engaged, but there's a few of us. There's a few of us. But, uh, hey, you know what? If the time comes as a dual citizenship, here's how I see it. I will protect my wife from being raped by our government or anybody else. The babies we stand up for, we intercede, and we pray, and we do that here. And, you know, it's just a matter of time. You know, it's like everybody thinks that, oh, Trump didn't get in. It's over. You know what? Take a look at what's gone on. Kamala Harris was put in first. Then Biden. Is that the Constitution? Has any of the Supreme Court heard any of our cases? Why not? Are we under the Constitution? Are we under military law? And it's just kind of running and nobody knows nothing. See, these yeah, are things that we have to keep looking at and keep praying and standing, yeah. but to be yeah. ready either way. Right. Pastor Dave, I, I really think what we're under is we're under judgment because of the condition of the ecclesia, because we have allowed all these things to happen on our watch in our right. generation. And so it becomes very critical 
as to what is really going on within our nation. And so we have to have this open conversation. What are well, Christians agreed. supposed to do? What is our responsibility, right? Right, right. Totally agree. And, yeah. and you know, this is where so many out there are saying, oh, I'm a Christian. 88% of our government says they're Christian. Look at how they're doing and what they're doing to this nation. 88% claim to be Christian. So how many in the church claim to be Christian that ain't even Christian? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know somebody, what, where the voices of those that are. Yeah. Somebody would bring up 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 1. It's reported commonly, said the Apostle Paul, that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And so um, there, it was reported these carnal Christianity, uh, these fleshly Christianity, you know, Christians everywhere in, until they become more spiritual, producing the fruit of the spirit and get sanctified, overcome by the blood of the lamb. A lot of this stuff has been going on in the church. And yet he still said, you know, you're, you know, this is not right. This is not good. You need to get cleaned up in this. And so, yeah, the, the church is an absolute mess. It is a really, really bad mess because like you said, People were more interested in formulas for success and making money than they were about getting their souls cleansed, healed, and delivered from demonic possession. I totally agree with that. Amen. Uh, no, the word says they, they're mere men. You know, that's yeah. the worst type of Christian there is. Uh, right. Mere right. men. They're, they're, more, they're more carnal, as you just said, than they are spiritual. They have no appetite for the things of God. And yet we don't understand that. You know, the, the word is the least among us. As it says, the seed, the word, it's the least among us. But when it's planted in our heart, if we allow it to grow and we cultivate it, it becomes the greatest. And so yeah. there's a process that's going. So let's, let's, go, let's jump ahead just a little bit. It goes on to say in Matthew 24, when you see the abomination, but just before it says when you see the abomination, it says this gospel shall be preached in all the world. Well, if we don't have a nation and we, we're not able to go out and preach it, we're going to have a problem. So that's why God set up America, I do believe, to keep kicking out the word. But when is the church going to rise up and really start compelling the people to come in? I think it's yeah. when we see the abomination of desolation. That's well, when, when the they, church will start to get serious. Well, they'll get serious. But again, when you see the abomination of desolation, that's the time to flee to the mountains. You know, that'll be the time where Jesus instructed when you see that you need to pack your bags. And we are in the year 5781, which means pack your bags. And so uh, I, I hear what you're saying. But I just wonder in the timing of things, the biblical prophetic timing of things, uh, the church in its present condition, rather than a reviving and all of a sudden a transformation and a turnaround and an awakening, um, when we search history, when the condition of a nation that started the way that we did, glorious like Israel, and then we morph into what we have become, Sodom and Gomorrah and Egypt, usually it's spelling the end of something. Now, our hope is in the kingdom of God coming to this earth, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the big question is, are we at the moment of an awakening and revival and uh, the second return of Donald Trump, or are we getting ready to go into the wilderness, flee to the mountains, because the greatest persecution and tribulation is ready to hit the earth? 
Well, my, my answer to that is, now, I don't have faith in a man. See, that's the problem with the church. They put their faith in men. You know, we right. have to look to God. But I do believe there's an awakening taking place. Okay. I do believe we're going to see more churches. There's going to be more. See, persecution, prosperity has been the greatest damage to the body of Christ, the message on prosperity. It's done more adverse things to the body of Christ than anything else, than adversity itself. Prosperity has destroyed the body because we let down God, as you just said. We forgot about God, and we started pursuing the things, the, the things that are not of God. Oh, God, bless me with this. Bless me with that. But we're not asking God, God, give me a heart for souls. God, give me a heart that I may see people healed. You manifest your, the gifts of the Spirit through me. Give me a greater hunger for you. Fill me with your holiness. Burn, give me the fear of you that I may not sin against you. See, we went after prosperity prosperity and look at the state that we're in um coming back you know will america wake up i believe she does i believe it's begun and 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 now it's just it's just a matter of the church that is walking with god to keep praying and not to quit but how many prophets have apologized for their stance well if you're a prophet and you made a stand you stand you stand you don't back down you either heard god or you didn't oh prophet and you know, I'm tired of Christians yeah. running to every YouTube prophet out there and listening to these different things. Just shut up. Get along with God. Shut that thinking computer off and hear the voice of God and the word of God for yourself. There you go. And that's, and that's really – yeah, absolutely. And you, the awakening, what is the church going to really awaken to? I'm reading out of Matthew 24, where Jesus in verse 9 said, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And now here's the thing that terrifies me, Pastor David. The thing that terrifies me is that the Bible says in the last days, I actually believe that there's going to be an explosion of church growth is going to happen. Mega churches are coming back. Joel Osteen's coming back. They're all coming back. Mega churches are going to come back after the COVID-19 thing is gone. But the thing that terrifies me are these, the bundling congregations where the, those who have learned to hate one another, betray one another, they're offended that they have to still have a sense of security and believe they're going to heaven. But so they'll be gathered to the feel good churches that tickle their ears and have been, you know, just, a cosmetic Christianity, a counterfeit Christianity, but they'll be bundled believing they're saved and they're really not. I just wonder what the church is really going to awaken to. And I'm sure well, it's well, concerning. It, okay. And that's good. And that's what your, your viewers need to be hearing. And what, are, what is the church? What are you as an individual out there going to awaken to? What are you going to awaken to? That's the real question. What are you going to side in with? See, in Revelations chapter 1, verses uh, starting with the last verse, going into chapter 2, 1 through 5, it talks about many churches closing their doors. Well, we've seen that start. It just begun. It's just begun because so many people ain't even going back. And the house churches are popping up all over. And that's going to continue to go because that's how it was in the book of Acts. It wasn't a one-man show. It was the body of Christ edifying itself together in love. And that's where everything, where God is moving us right back into the book of Acts where we're going to finish strong. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to win this thing. But, hey, let, the, let these big clown churches that have these steeples, let them close their doors because they're worthless anyways. Now, there might be some mega churches, a couple, maybe, maybe enough on a hand, maybe a couple of fingers. I'm not sure. I won't put them all in one category. But, you know, a lot of them are just feely good churches, 
and why are they there? Why are these people going? Oh, they're all there. Well, everybody's here, so it must be safe. No, it's not safe. They're the ones that have taken $30,000 from the government to tell you to go take the COVID shot. And we won't get into that right now. That's a whole other story. But bless God. Hey, I appreciate your show. I don't want, I'm sure you get some other callers in there that can talk. But, man, fight the fight of faith, people. And don't you let nobody walk all over you. And we have to stand up. But we have to do it through prayer first. And then if we have to, and then if we have to, we've got to take off arms. That's where I stand. But, hey, I love you all. Bless you all. Right. Thank you, Vincent. All right. Uh, Pastor David. South Dakota. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. And Victoria, we'll be seeing uh, Pastor David and Victoria in the end of May. They are uh, and have invited Patricia and I to come out there and to talk with uh, them. And Pastor David brought up the home fellowships. You know, that's the vision of this ministry and many other ministries. And the in the last days, God promises to put a glory upon the house, and he promises to put a defense around the glory a defense around the glory. I believe that the dark days that are already here, the shroud over the nations, I believe it's very real. I believe the veil over the nations is very real. Um, I believe that by the time the American citizenry tries to take up arms against the military powers of the global community, uh, they're probably going to be taken out really quick, most likely. Because if we haven't stood up and defended the causes that really were in need of being defended, and all of a sudden we're going to stand up in the last days and just suddenly think we're going to take up arms, we're going to fight uh, the military powers of a one-world government, um, I think we better know a little bit more about spiritual warfare. And I'm going to leave that for there. But I did want to get into Romans chapter 13. And, you know, I love, I love a feisty conversation, by the way. you got to love a feisty conversation. But before I go, I've got another call coming in. Let's take this call coming in, area code 614-226. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Vincent. I'm stepping outside here uh, so you can hear, hear me okay. Yeah, I hear you great. Is this Brother Keith? It's Brother Keith. Amen. All right, Keith. I'm, I just, I felt it was um, the Holy Spirit saying, we are aliens um, in, in our citizenship here on earth. You know, we're, we're not of this earth. And um, my flesh wants to say, we need to fight. Um, but when you go to Galatians 5.19, and I just re-memorized this in a foundations class we're in, but <clears throat> there's an there's nothing that um, is of the flesh. Uh, we get the fruits of the Spirit from the Holy Spirit. And uh, go ahead and read that if you want. I didn't mean 519. I meant 522 and 23. You, uh, want, me to read, you want me to read it or do you want to read it? You read it because I'm outside. Okay, Galatians <laughs> my 522. All right, Galatians 522. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Amen. So whatever laws are passed, they're going to try and expose us more. We're going to stand out more. And um, Jesus, 
he could have fought, but he knew he knew what his goal was was to shed his blood on the cross for us, and our goal is to hear Jesus say, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." So I'm thinking of Coptic Christians, you know, the way they, it was 215, 2015, uh, the 21martyrs.com. Uh, they walked to their death. And uh, that's no servant is greater than his master. So that's our calling is to exemplify exemplify what how the nature God wants us to minister. Yeah. Yeah, the nature of Christ. Amen. My flesh says, yeah, we need to organize a battalion in every county. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. Thank you for what you're doing on this uh, subject. And the other thing was the vaccine but I don't know, is this appropriate to say this right now? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think it's important. You had this on your heart, and I think our listeners should really tune in right now to what you're about to say. Uh, this is a personal experience with you, I believe, Keith. So tell us about it. What happened? Okay. I, we were uh, called by uh, uh, a resource center that we're connected with, and um, – they signed us up for the vaccine. There was no choice, but I'm I'm thankful that it was the Pfizer, and um, I had the first vaccine. Um, let's see, a week ago, Tuesday, last Tuesday, and uh, the second vaccine is April first. No joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm a little bit of a comedian, but <laughs> anyway. I want to read this from my primary care. This is just amazing that she published this to all her patients. And um, I'm going to flip over here to my Gmail if the phone will let me. Hang on. Sure. And, and Keith, what you're saying is that you have already received the okay. Pfizer vaccination. Can you still hear me away from the phone like that? Yes, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. She says, dispelling the myths. There have been a number of rumors about the vaccine, and these have unfortunately been widely disseminated by social media. That's parts in bold. A couple of examples include the idea that the vaccine will somehow change your DNA or allow you to be tracked by the government. (laughs) I am your doctor, and you have my word that none of these rumors have any basis in fact. There is a lot of trusted information available. Um, And then one of these is in hyperlink about cdc.gov. I'm happy to answer any additional questions as well. In conclusion, I strongly recommend that when the vaccine is available to you that you get it. That is my advice as your physician. I'm sure we are both looking forward to a world where COVID is a distant memory. Vaccination will help get us there. So I'm on board with the vaccine. Uh, 
one of the one of the uh, comments on the chat room is that Israel's being forced to take the vaccine where you can't buy it or sell. And I think at some point uh, we may need more than the card. And so when it comes, you know, when it comes, which I think it will, when it comes to getting a mark on our flesh, you know, I'm out. I'm, <laughs> that's, that's to me is the mark that's coming. This is just so huge. Everything's uh, rolling up fast. Uh, I'm done here. God All bless right. you. All right, Keith. Thank you for sharing. I know that you just stirred a lot of comments. <laughs> okay. Huh. All, right. All right. Thank you, Keith, calling in from Ohio. Praise the Lord. Let's see if I can get my call coming in right now from area code 479238. Once again, good morning, good Welcome to the broadcast. Can you hear us now? Can we hear you now? I don't. Can, can you hear me now, Pastor? Loud and clear. Loud and clear. Good morning. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, let's just go to the vaccine then and skip the other deal. The bottom uh, line is, I know a medical doctor that 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 resigned his position at a hospital about 15 years ago, and and basically uh, continues to practice medicine on the side, like the old traveling doctors did. You know. You have a broken leg, you give him a chicken, and he fixes your leg. Because the reason he left the medical industry was because the pharmaceuticals dictated to him what he could or could not give the people, okay? I want to know who's paying that doctor to say that because there's a whole plethora of other medical doctors. And you know the old saying, when you're above the target, you catch the most flack. So so these other medical doctors – that, that have been around a long time, uh, Dr. Lee Merritt, a medical doctor uh, uh, in, the, in the Army, a bioweapons uh, uh, specialist. Uh, you got Dr. Tenpenny, was a level two trauma center doctor for 12 years, had over 40,000 hours studying these vaccines, and, and a whole plethora of others. When they say what they say, and, and they catch flack, and everybody's coming after them, that tells me they're over the target. So this other doctor that, that this gentleman just talked about, uh, there's no target. Uh, they're, they're saying what the mainstream media is saying. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, pray for the man and hope that, uh, that everything goes well with him. But, no, I think anybody but a fool would take that vaccine because it's not a vaccine. It's an operating system. That's the bottom line. And, anyway, I'll hang up and listen. All right. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I just I need to be honest. I don't want to be hypocritical. I have been fully vaccinated. And some of you know that I have received my vaccination. I'm, I feel healthy. I feel great. I had the uh, J. Johnson J.C.O.N. vaccination. Uh, I have the certificate of authenticity. It's the uh, it's the certificate. I think it's the, the P.S. like 91 or something like that. Um, so I've been fully vaccinated. And I don't feel, you know, foolish about my vaccination. I feel like it's helped me. And if there was any disease in me or sickness that I have just been protected and I'm totally, absolutely thrilled about it. And so, you know, I don't know what to say about people that, um, uh, you know, are against vaccinating. You know, I know the one I have is a dynamic. I mean, the JCON. And so anyways, I just wanted people to know 
the JCON vaccination is probably the best one if you're going to take one. It's better than Moderna and Pfizer. And um, if you'd like to know what it is, I could, I could tell you. I mean, the JCON, you want me to tell you? Okay, I'm going to tell you what it is. My vaccination that I received that makes me feel wonderful, the JCON, is the Jesus Christ of Nazareth vaccination with the certificate, uh, the PS91 is Psalm 91. And I'll tell you why, because I do believe that the puncture in the skin is part of the mark. We talked all about this on Sunday. If you want to go back to Sunday on Facebook or YouTube and listen to uh, my sermon on the mark of the beast, you may want to do that right now because the idea, and this is from a friend of mine who works for Moderna. I played tennis with him. His name is Rennie, and he's very much involved in the vaccination. And he was telling me how that there's digital code in this, it's not really a vaccination, by the way, it's a synthetic drug, and that there's code in this, in this drug that goes and it searches out the coronavirus and then it obliterates it. Supposedly, that's what it does. It, they don't talk about the integration in, in, and it never comes out like Mrs. Tenpenny did and all of that. But I know that the DNA code in the blood of Jesus Christ the DNA code, it's not just for coronavirus, it's for insanity, stupid. It's for everything and anything that is contrary to the glory of God. You have diabetes, you have cancer, you have leukemia, I don't care what it is. The code in the blood will go right to that source and break it, obliterate it, and release you from it. So I am fully vaccinated with the JCON, the Jesus Christ of Nazareth, blood back with Psalm 91 is the COVID deal. So that's my heartbeat on that. And I think you really need to listen to the YouTube and the Facebook video about getting this synthetic drug into your body with a digital code and then listen to Klaus Schwab who is wanting biometrics, biological integration of, of, of drugs in the human gene. I mean, come on. The, the, the mad scientists that created Frankenstein are at it again. They've been at it a long time. This guy, Klaus Schwab, we're learning all about him now. He's had a pharmaceutical industry for 20-some-odd years. It was part of the Nazi something or other, and that these guys – are wanting integration. And somebody told me after our sermon on Sunday, it was Sister Peggy, uh, Pastor Peggy Wagner came to me and she said, you know, um, do you know when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken out of Israel and brought into Babylon, the first thing they wanted to do is integrate them into their culture and society by changing their names and their diet. And I thought, well, how far advanced are we now? They wanted to integrate Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by changing their name and their diet for integration into their society. Now the mad scientists are wanting integration of the whole human race. Mamma mia, come on. No, these are very real issues, folks. And if you're looking for the world to give you a drug that's going to save you from your condition, you just haven't considered the ultimate reality of the precious blood of the Lamb. And it is faith in his blood that will protect you and heal you and deliver you and do everything. That's why when Passover is coming up here, we're going to talk about the spiritual benefits of the blood of the lamb. Now, now, hallelujah. The Lord told me that. I didn't plagiarize that from anybody. The J-C-O-N, that's my, that's God gave me that. 
the Jesus Christ of Nazareth vaccination, mm. the blood, Psalm 91. Oh, Jesus, the precious blood of the lamb, how we need his blood to stand. Oh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is a spiritual battle in the spirit as spiritual citizens of a spiritual kingdom. To that, there's no doubt. And those principalities and powers are making war with you because you're a true light bearer. I don't care if you're a president or you wash socks for a living. It doesn't matter if you are a true Christian and you have real light. The world that hates God or pretends to love him but hates him in actions, are, you are the target. And the principalities and powers and the spiritual wickedness and the, and the dark rulers of this world, they're coming after you. And you need to know how to fight them. You need to know how to stand. You need to know your authority and understand that Christ has already defeated them and disarmed them. The devil has no feet. He has no arms. He's been defeated and disarmed by the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. And when your faith rises up to that reality, you will see victory in your personal life and the people that you influence around you. Victory for the overcomers. Who are the overcomers in Revelation 15? They are the ones who got the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. And what are they doing? They're singing a victory song. Hallelujah. You are going to have to deal head on with this beast and his image and his mark and the number of his name. But you will overcome. You will conquer. You will have victory. You don't capitulate. You don't take. You don't receive. And then Mrs. Tenpenny, when she was asked before millions of people on Daystar TV, oh, Mrs. Tenpenny, what happens to the people that took the vaccination already? And her answer was sobering. There's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. Folks, time will tell the truth. Time will tell the reality. But if you trust this government after their fraudulent election, if you trust man, if you trust Kamala, Joe, hip hop, the hippie to the hibbin and don't stop the rocking to the hibbin, if you trust all that nonsense, that's on you. I trust Jesus Christ. I'm going to expose the darkness. I am not going to let the left have their narrative without the true narrative of the gospel. It's not going to happen. And as far as, you know, our spiritual battle, but why have we not fought for the causes that we're so needing to be fought for? I wanted to finish out today. And listen, I'm not trying to win friends and influence people. I'm not trying to be on anybody's side. This is what God is teaching me. I have one side, and so do you, and his name is Jesus the kingdom of heaven. That's my side. I don't want to forfeit my eternal salvation for anything. I don't want to be stupid about anything. I want to make sure that my salvation is secure. And I don't play games with that salvation because I know too many are going to fall away from the faith. They're going to defect from the truth. They're going to be losing their love. They're going to wax cold. They're going to betray. They're going to hate. There's no salvation of that. And the majority are going to be saying, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I don't know you. I don't want to be there. I don't want the thief in the book of Revelation in the church of Sardis to come and steal my name out of the book of life. No, thank you. So I don't want to do anything stupid. So I'm asking questions and I think we should continue to do that. But man, oh man, I'm, I, I don't want to do anything that's going to forfeit my eternal destiny in Jesus Christ. 
So I'm, I'm looking for answers. I do know this. I do know this. In Romans chapter 13, it's a very interesting chapter because it's about government. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Wow, what a, what a concept. So stop right now. What are the higher powers? We wrestle not against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Are we to subject to them? Are we to subject to the very principalities that Paul said we're wrestling against? So if you have a human being government that is operating under the principalities of the dark rulers of this world, are we being told to subject to them? No, I don't think so. Let's take a further look at who these powers may be. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. Okay, so there's got to be a power that's of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Is he talking about the ordained principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness? Heck no. He's not talking about that. What is he talking about? He says, whosoever therefore resist the power that God is talking about, resist the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So if God ordains a power and you resist it, you got damnation on you. But did God ordain spiritual wicked powers to be subjected to by you? That would make God schizophrenic, and we know he's not. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works. Ah, so the rulers that God is talking about are not the rulers of this dark world and spiritual wickedness in high places. No, the rulers that God is talking about are rulers that are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. So the power of God in Romans 13 is a power that God has set to be a terror to evil. Do you get it? Is it there? Is it clear? It's to evil. That's God's power. That should have been the ecclesia. That should have been the church. That was the government of the United States of America at one time. That was a terror to anything that was evil. You committed an abortion. You went to prison. You committed a homosexual act. You went to prison. You brought in pornography. You went to prison. You put on a bad word on that federal communications network. You went to prison. That's who we used to be. But then it says, for the rulers of God are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have praise of the same. Wow, is that happening in our government today? You get praise for supporting homosexuality, lesbianism, pedophilia, transgenderism. You get praise for murdering innocent blood. You get praise for the filthiest movie, for the greatest blasphemy. You get praise. That's not the government God's talking about. That's not the power that God's talking about in Romans 13. And then he says, will you then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have praise of the same. For he, the power of God that's ordained for good and is a terror to evil, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. So when my government is good in the fear of the Lord and they are the power representing God, I'm really happy about that. But if you do that which is evil, abortion, crime, criminality, shedding blood, doing evil against God, you're to be afraid, for he bears not the sword in vain. Are we afraid? 
to do evil in our society today? No, we promote it. For he, listen to this, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that does evil. Our government is doing evil. Our Supreme Court is doing evil. Our society is doing evil, promoting it, breading it. Wickedness and evil has overwhelmed our land. It's really unthinkable how wicked we have become as a society. And the few that are scarcely saved, that are keeping their head above the waters right now, the best are a briar, said the prophet Jeremiah. The confusion in the minds of the people today is great. If Babylon means confusion, then Babylon has risen to her zenith of power in our generation. There's great deception right now, great wickedness, great evil. Where's the repentance, right? Where's the brokenness, right? Where's the cross-carrying Christians, right? Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. You see, a lot of people try to use Romans 13 to say that Christians are to be bowing and subjecting to evil principalities and powers because they're ordained by God. But I will remind you, in the book of Hosea chapter 8, not every king that is promoted to power is from God. There are people that say there is no power but of God, but that's not what he's referring to. The godly power, yes, but Hosea chapter 8, just in case you never read it because you can't cut it out if it doesn't fit into your paradigm, right? You've got to do it. You've got to go with the scripture, the whole counsel of God. So Hosea chapter 8, verse 1, we've heard it a thousand times. One of Pastor David Wilkerson's greatest books was Set the Trumpet to Your Mouth. Well, it says, Set the Trumpet to Your Mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Oh, yeah, it's coming. The device is being raised up against our nation for our transgression against a greater covenant than the covenant of Moses. Israel shall cry unto me, my God, we know thee. Israel has cast off the thing that is good. So is the church. So is America. The enemy shall pursue him. He certainly shall. They have set up kings but not by me. Did you just go get a bite of a bagel when I said that? Hold on, let me say it again. They have set up kings, Israel, but not by me. They have made princes. I knew it not. So there's a scripture right there that refutes that every leader is ordained by God. Bull. No, it's judgment. It's evil. It's wickedness. We had a government for a season that was willing to stand up and fight for what was right. And our founding father said this republic is only for immoral and religious people and is not good for any other. Well, they're ripping it to shreds because they don't want morality, because the Antichrist, spiritual wickedness, the dark rulers of this world have taken root in the mind of men and have established themselves in the positions of power within government and have transformed our nation into a cesspool of debauchery and wickedness, and you know it's true. And what are we doing? 
What are we doing? I've been asking this question. The only thing I know to do, keep telling the truth of the gospel so that there's no excuse that people will not be blinded. You could believe for anything you want. You want to preach the second coming of Donald Trump? Go for it. It's not my hope. I'm going to preach the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm going to proclaim that we are in judgment, that America has sinned grievously against the Lord, that he is raising up an indignation to come against this hypocritical nation. And the majority of people that call themselves believers today will be misguided and misled by fantasy and by narration that is truly not rooted in the counsel of the Holy Spirit and God's word. And they're going to have their minds taken away into fairy tales and fables about a superhero on this earth, and it's not going to happen. God has removed the man from the pedestal and said, church, you better know what to do now. You could believe anything you want. You're my friend. You're my brother, my sister. You can believe anything you want. I will do my best to convince you. If you want to try to convince me, go for it. God told me 16 months ago Joe Biden was going to be the president of the United States in a dream that I've been sharing for 16 months. I didn't wait for two weeks later to say, well, I never told anybody that God gave me a dream about. No, I said it 16 months ago from every pulpit I knew that I had a dream that that Joe Biden was going to win this election. Yes, unnerved, nervous about how it was done. End of dream. Don't know the next step. But I refuse to follow anybody that said emphatically he was going to be the president Oh, but God forgot to tell you it wasn't going to be right away. It was going to be in 2024. I'm telling you, you better get ready to pack your bags and go into the wilderness and flee to the mountains and do everything you can while you have salt and light left to proclaim to your neighbor or your family or whatever part of this world you're going to save. You better do it right now. Because I don't think a whole bunch of people are ready to get saved. I think a whole bunch of people that thought they were saved are about to fall away. And I think that there's going to be a wickedness that this world has never known before because that dragon, that devil is being cast onto this earth and he's coming with fury and great rage. And all make-believe Christianity is going to be contested to our toenails. And if you don't already feel the four winds of the satanic that is coming, you better find out what you're dealing with because... We need to know how to fight. I know that it's a spiritual battle. I was asking about a dual citizenship. What is my responsibility? And if it was my responsibility to fight for my country, my family, my neighbor, my home, then why in 60 years has our nation not fought for the causes of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, like the Constitution said? Where were the warriors? And now we think... We're going to rise up to a battle and win this battle physically? Good luck. I wouldn't take a vaccination. Personally, what I'm learning, I wouldn't do it. I don't want to step into a hospital, a doctor, and I certainly don't want to go crazy and just do something stupid to forfeit my salvation. It's the greatest gift in my life. I will be accountable if I do not speak God's word, this gospel, the truth, search it out. I'm a student. I certainly know anything but a student. I'm learning like everybody else. And I'm going to have to leave it there. I'm going to have to leave it there.
The day of the Lord will be a day of light and a day of darkness. The big question, what side of the day are you on? For multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. They haven't made a decision to be light or darkness. They're still one foot in, one foot out. They're not committed. Remember, the overcomer will always, always be all in. You got to be all in. Number two, the overcomer will never carry a plan B. And number three, an overcomer will never hold any area of their life back from God. Controlling it, exposing it, utilizing it. If you're going to be an overcomer in this age, and you're going to be one of those victory saints in Revelation 15, wake up. Pastor Dave said there was an awakening coming, a spiritual awakening. And when we awaken, what will we see? What will we be contending with? Dragons with seven heads and ten horns? Beasts, false prophets, mystery Babylon? What are we going to awaken to? If we haven't seen it already, some people may be surprisingly shocked to see what they're actually going to wake up to. The strategy of the enemy, the God of this world, is all over this earth. And while we know knowledgeably that we have the victory and how to fight, very few have actually taken hold of the power of God in our generation. And the fruits of that reality are all around us. If the church had been the church, we would never be where we are in this country. Wake up. It may be later than you think. It may be later than you think. With a forced vaccination coming in the year 5781 means distress, pressure, pack your bags. There's a people going into the wilderness to be preserved for three and a half years during the Great Tribulation. Wake up. Could be. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Got another call coming in here. Let's see. Do we have time to take that call? I think so. This looks like a friend of ours, Pastor Ken Wagner, calling in. Good morning, Pastor Ken or Peggy. How are you today? Oh, we are doing fine, Pastor. We're blessed, praise God. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Uh, And I'm not going to go over a lot of things that you talked about already because you hit a lot of good key points. But, you know, and looking at it this way, we gave up uh, a lot 6,000 years ago when Adam and Eve sinned and turned this world over into the hands of the enemy. And his object purpose is to kill, to steal, and destroy. He is an enemy, and that's an answer to your question. Are we supposed to fight? You bet your bottom dollar we are. When I went into the military as well, I was handed a coat of arms, and there was courts of jurisdiction, and all those different things of that nature to go ahead and follow. We have the same thing and today, and it's called the Bible. It gives us all the instructions we need, how to fight, what we should be doing, And it tells us you will have to fight. Jesus came down here to give his life, his very life, so that we can go ahead and fight and have the authority and power that we need. And has the church been doing it? No. They've become so lackluster in the things that we're in the point where we are now. And this is something that we need to wake the church up with once and for all. We need to follow all the instructions laid out in the Bible, how we're to fight, what we're to go ahead and do and follow the dictates as it's listed in there. And if we don't, we're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper into trouble, more and more trials, more and more tribulations. But rather, 
I will follow the, like the power of the Lord, uh, the Lord all the way so that we can have peace and tranquility within our souls, knowing where we're going to be and what we're going to accomplish as, as we follow his rule and his laws. Your comments. Amen. So are you saying that we should physically fight as a dual citizen of this country for our country? No. I'm not going to fight against the country. I'm going to fight against the principalities and powers that are trying to pervert it. The original laws that we have in this country are good. The original laws. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is outlined in the Constitution. I'm not going to stand up there and bear arms against this, this world uh, about, uh, for those individuals, but I am going to fight spiritually and try and change the attitude and the thoughts that they have on how we should be ruled. Okay. All right. Very good. Wonderful comments. And yes, uh, the call to duty has sounded. And I guess we're going to wait and see uh, what that gathering of the army is. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 37, God told the prophet to prophesy over the dead, dry bones. And I know that we are the bone of his bone and the flesh of his flesh, and maybe we're dead, dry bones laying out in a valley, and maybe the prophesying needs to take place to gather those dead, dry bones of the body of Christ together and to stand on their feet as a great army in these last days. Now, I'm all good with that. I mean, that's, that's right on right there. But we have to prophesy, and that is God's end-time army. God's end time army, because it's not an American gospel, that would mean that the dead, dry bones all over the world where Christians are or where the church has been, the, the bone of his bone dried up and uh, just kind of laying around doing nothing, there does need to be a gathering together. I know that immediately after the Great Tribulation, there's going to be a gathering together of his elect. That'll be interesting. But maybe prior to prophesying it, it's possible. Great comments, Pastor Ken. Appreciate you. Anything else you'd like to share? Well, this is his other half. I just well, wanted other to half. share some, <laughs> I, 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 uh, some of the things that people we were talking in the past. Um, God's been looking for those who would weep and cry over the abominations, and I think in the we we have rallied. There's been those, and maybe it's called the remnant. Maybe it's those that who's gotten God's heart on it and not only prayed, but we did stand up. You know, we went, like, for instance, in our, our house, you know, we established crisis pregnancy centers. We, we spoke the truth. We took in our home girls that were going to have abortions, and we led them through that. Some of them gave the babies for adoption. Some we trained up to, to actually be parents. Uh, so, but the biggest important part of all of it is that they got born again and learned, you know, in the church, learned the truth. And I think something that my grandson said once really stuck in me. This isn't in the word, but uh, had, somebody had said, I love you, I love you. And my grandson made a comment. He says, words are cheap because the person that said it just did words and didn't follow through it. We as a church, we have to follow through. You know, it can't just be all words. So if God tells you to um, walk in love with these people, whatever he has you do in the midst of this storm, in the midst of the evil, um, he's going to tell us individually and corporately what to do. And personally, in my part, he hasn't asked me to take up arms, but he certainly has asked me to 
um, you know, spiritually pray and then in the natural, in love, get a hold of these people who are walking, you know, who are, just didn't have the truth and they were bound by lies and walking. And, for example, especially in our lives was, was those walking in um, fornication and having abortions and all this kind of stuff. Um, but we, you know, God had no build an ark. So there is physical things behind what, you know, what we believe. We can't just believe it and do nothing. Mm. Um, so we have to follow that, That's just kind of what I'm feeling yeah. and what he's been dealing with me because he says everything has to be out of love. I don't want to get up there and say, I battled this, I battled that, or I, I prophesied this. And he goes, you know, just a bunch of noise. You didn't do it out of love. If we're not doing it out of love for the world, out of love for these lost babies and everything that was going on, it's nothing. God says we are nothing. And um, so I, I think that's, you know, in, in us, that's, that's what God's doing. He's working in our hearts, our souls. Amen. So while the battle was raging, you were laboring in to save souls. What a beautiful testimony. And uh, just as you're uh, going, in, and thank you for your comments, uh, Pastor Ken and Peggy, appreciate them. Uh, the woman you're listening to right now, uh, Pastor Peggy Wagner, and her husband, Ken. Ken's sister, Maureen, was in the hospital in New York with 103 fever, pneumonia. Uh, on Saturday night, they were brought, it was brought to our attention during our service. The church prayed in COVID-19, you know, it was all around that pneumonia. She was disoriented, confused. She couldn't breathe. All this stuff was happening. She was near death is what we were hearing on Saturday. The church prayed at New Wine Ministry. Sunday, we came in. Peggy brought the witness. The doctor walked into Maureen's room in New York and said, there's no problem. You're going to be going home. It's all good. What an amazing testimony. Cindy came into church on Sunday and testified that a month ago at one of our women's meetings in New Wine Ministry, she was having a blood issue, an issue of blood, and she asked the women to pray for her. She testified a month later, zero blood. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue to contend. I've got one more call coming in, a very special guest. My beloved wife, Patricia Joy Xavier, is on the air. Good morning, Patricia Joy. What's going on with you today? The Lord is crying out from the heaven's realm, saying, body of Christ, those that are mine, rise up and become the true army of God that I have called you to be. Take out your sword, which is the word of God, and speak it against those things that are wrong. And those things that are not, speak them as they would be and they are. And he said, I have empowered you to do this. I have given you the authority in my name to do this because when I came to this earth, I came to set the captives free. And this is our orders from the high commander in chief, the greatest of all and ever will be. And there's one thing President Trump left with us. He said, they're not after me, but they're after you. We could not forget that and understand that this battle is against the Lord Christ within each and every one of us who truly serve him in spirit and truth. It is against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is a warfare against Satan and God Almighty, and we can't forget it, and we're in the midst of it, 
And so we must rise up. Forget all of the other which matters not. Become the army of God that he called us to be. And salute your commander in chief. Thank you. And I must leave. All right. Thank you. God bless you, Patricia. Yeah. What, what else would you expect from a deliverance minister who's written a book on deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights, than to tell the body of Christ to stand up, take your legal authority in the spiritual kingdom and go to war and execute the judgment that has been written. Psalm 149 grants that permission. And really, I would think Jesus intended for his ecclesia upon this earth to do exactly that. Mamma mia. Well, we did it. We talked about it. And I hope that we came away with some understanding about our role as Christians. We have the rest of the week to talk about it. And want to encourage you out there today, if you would, uh, be willing to support this ministry with your tithe or offering, that you would go to our website at nwmglobal.org or omegaradio.org. And through the Kindred app or through the donations tab, support the ministry with tithes and offerings. We would deeply appreciate that. I'm considering going into another platform. I've talked to you a little bit about it called Rev Media. I'm going to be talking with Felicia today. It is a television platform that opens the door to Roku and some other uh, avenues. And I, it's $99 a month. It's about 100 bucks a month. Uh, $1,200 a year. So I'm uh, deeply considering doing that. And um, again, this is how we go through by your giving, your offerings. And so if you would like to partner with me in this ministry, we will continue to do what we're doing the best way we know how to do it. And uh, may God bless you in your giving towards this work. Also, if you would like to just mail in an offering or mail in a gift, um, you could do that by sending it to P.O. Box 100. That's simple, P.O. Box 100. That's in Decatur, Arkansas, and that's D-E-C-A-T-U-R, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. And so if you have something you'd like to share with the ministry, you want to give a gift, you want to write a check, or whatever you'd like to offer to the ministry in tithes and offerings, the address is P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. I'll keep you more informed about this Rev Media platform and the open doors it presents as we go. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Lord willing, Daniel Second will be with me. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see how things go today. Until we meet again, I'm Pastor Vincent Xavier. You've been listening to The Watchman right now. Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's a roundtable discussion. You're not going to want to miss it if you have some time to tune in. God bless everybody. Have a great day. Shalom. <laughs>